Welcome into Smooth Operators with your hosts, Noah, Griggs, and Ben, going through the world of Formula One. If you want to interact with the show today, you can tweet at us at Noah underscore Phillips, at Junior underscore McClurkin, and at the Griggs B. It's time for the green flag, and it's lights out, and away we go. Welcome in to a late night edition of the Smooth Operators Podcast. I'm your host, Ben McClurkin, along with my co-host, Griggs Blakenberg and Noah Phillips. Man, the weather's been great today, nice and cool for the most part. And it is now time to get talking about Formula One. It's a little bit of a later episode on account of fall break, but thank you guys for coming out, sticking with us, and hanging out. A little. A little. It's nap time, my friend. It's sleepy time. What are you talking about? My parents aren't even listening right now. It's so late. I don't sleep, so it's just a little late for me. I get that. Late for me is like three, but anyhow. All right, we're going to get right into it. Um, Singapore. Singapore. Craziness. It was a thing, yes. It was a thing. I don't know if I would call it. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, I'll just say it. It's a, it's a thing, and it happened. And some might even call it a race. I don't know. It's kind of a stretch. It was more of like a parade of cars driving around a circuit, and then people trying to leave. Kind of like Monaco. <sighs> mm. Yeah, it was kind of like Monaco, except worse, because yes. there wasn't any surprise winners. But hey, you know what? That and Monaco have in common. Sergio Perez got the win. He did get the win. That is correct. In Sir- dominant fashion. I don't even think I've talked yet too much. Yes, but Sergio Perez was the winner. Dominant fashion. I think it's the first. I saw a stat today on Twitter. The first race where someone who led every single lap of a Grand Prix was not named Verstappen or Leclerc. So it was the first non-Leclerc or Verstappen lead of the year. Perez picks up his second win. The king of street circuits. One in Monaco and then one in... Um, one in uh, Singapore. I don't know why I just forgot that, but yeah. But great race from Checo. Really great drive from him. Didn't really have it any – there's not really any chance except near the end where there was a potential where he could get a five-second penalty where he thought that the win could be in jeopardy. So, but other than that, I mean, I thought it was – it was a little boring at parts because all the safety cars, but still went for exciting because he didn't – because we had a bunch of midfield action as well in this one because of the D, all the DNFs. There was six DNFs. Let's go through this real quick. Uh, here we go. Yuki Sonoda, Espen Alcon, Alexander Albon, Fernando Alonso, Nicholas Latifi, and Guan Yu Zhou. So six DNFs. You also saw Lewis Hamilton losing his grip on almost every single uh, corner ima- imaginable. I, I, I honestly thought that when he hit the wall like that, he was done. I didn't think he was going to. Because the wall, like, the, whenever I see, like, the car like that in the wall, it didn't, wasn't going that fast, but I just thought he was going to be done. Because they cut to him, and he was in the wall. I'm like, oh, Mighty Lewis is out. He's done. He's out. Seriously impressed that he didn't stall the car there and actually kept it going. Like, that's for a car to go from, I don't know, second or third gear to nothing. Usually, especially those cars with the way their clutches are set up, they usually just they usually just cut out, and that's the last you see of them. But he kept the car running and got back on track, and he recovered really well. Mm-hmm. Him and Max both recovered really well. But, you know, we'll talk more about Max a little bit later. Yeah, but, yeah, still got back up to in the ninth, so he got two points because of that. Uh, oh, two, three on the podium were both the Ferrari men, the prancing horses, as we like to call them around these parts. Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz. Charles was in second for most of the race. He had a decent 
Oh, he had a close gap to Sergio Perez. Then all of a sudden, when Perez heard that he could potentially be getting a five-second penalty, Perez just zoomed. Like he, it was at one. It was gaining. Like it felt like he was gaining almost a second per lap. It felt like. I watched him gain five tenths in one sector, which is, if you're not familiar, very impressive. Mm-hmm. Especially on a street circuit like that, where you have to be so precise uh, to avoid walls and such like such other obstacles in your way. Yeah, and like that was really incredible. Just Perez just being able, to, especially in the conditions where the race got delayed. So that was a very rude surprise when I woke up thinking I was about to turn on F1 and I hear Crofty's voice saying the race was delayed an hour. So that's not great. Went back to bed. When I woke up, it's like they were on the slicks almost the majority of the race because the track just wasn't drying because of the humidity in Singapore. On the intermediate, sorry. Sorry about that. Oh, yeah, slicks. I was thinking slicks, slick track, kind of got off. But, yes, the intermediate tires for most of the race. They were on a slick track for most of the race. You were totally right about that. They all, the, I assume, like, they didn't um, activate DRS until, like, 15, 20 laps left. Slap 26, if I remember correctly. But, yeah, just because the humidity would just not allow that track to dry. They thought it would get better just with the sun down, it being a night race. It wasn't really a possibility to dry the track. And George Russell really saw how wet the track was when he came out on slicks. He was Tokyo drifting, man. It was quite exciting to see, though. I really will say he was sliding that thing around. Singapore drifting? Eh? Eh? Nice. No. I'm proud of myself for that one. Shouldn't be, but I am. Give yourself credit where it's due. Yep. I'm going to go to sleep tonight and think about how great that was. That's not that far away, though. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a little while. It's still crazy. I don't, if anyone's out there who's listening live, we'd love to interact with you. If you guys want to check out our socials, if you write uh, Noah, at Noah Phillips 64 Underscore. Underscore Phillips 64, 64. The Grigsby, or you can just ask us for Ben. Ben's not really on social media, but if you want to. Ben underscore McClurkin. But if you want to interact with the show in any way, you guys can tr- uh, tweet at us there. We will love to talk to you, talk some Formula One. So if you guys have any questions like that it's the late night show just ask us anything we'll answer anything formula one related i guess but if you want to interact with the show today but moving on with this don't don't tell griggs but if you ask me a nascar question i'll try to bring it up moving on with that great probably the greatest performance of this season speaking of midfield action for the mclaren boys besides lando's uh, podium that was the greatest result mclaren has gotten all year with lando norris coming in fourth and Daniel Ricardo coming in fifth. About almost a 30-second gap between Norris and Ricardo, but still fourth and fifth for McLaren, a team that has now pulled a little bit ahead of Alpine after Alpine had a double DNF. They are now four points ahead of Alpine in the constructors. So that was we talked about that last week. We didn't know if there was going to be any more changing. We thought it would be Alphatari and Haas or Aston Martin and Haas, but now that the McLaren boys are back in it and – getting down to it was that upgrade package that i was talking about last week i think it really did do a lot and there was more that i hadn't heard about they did a lot of underfloor changes too that we haven't seen yet so i'll uh, provide more updates on that as it comes um daniel ricardo did have to overcome a lot he had to move quite a bit through the field it wasn't handed to him in any regard and he's always been a good driver in the wet so that really his performance did impress me um that seven second gap though is definitely representative of their relative paces, I would say. Mm-hmm. Just 
yeah, and then the f- fact that just Ricardo, with all he's gone through this year, that to be able to put up uh, still a P5 when just maybe not have that same motivation, really. He doesn't really know what's going to happen next year in terms of where he's going to drive for it. So that was still a good result from him in that one regard. You wouldn't want to drive better if you knew uh, you were trying to compete with contracts, Griggs? I mean, at this point, it doesn't feel like at all. I mean, he's already admitted that he's okay with sitting out next year for the chance that some of the 2023 contracts we've talked about that are becoming available. So, and I, yeah, I still don't, it's all, we're going to talk about this later in later segments, but it's almost, he's not going back to Alpine, so... Just it doesn't really seem like there's many opportunities. I don't think he'd go down to the Haas spot, even though we thought it would be great. We all said that would be a great opportunity. I mean, you're gonna push for him to go to NASCAR. I mean, that would be incredible in its own right. But but once you're out of the F1 pit lane, in any regard, you're kind of staying out, unless you're Kimi Raikkonen, <laughs> or if you're Alex Albon. That's true. I, I haven't this year. That was crazy. That was crazy. He uh. Yeah, that did seriously surprise me. He was kind of a left-field candidate. Yeah, that was pretty – I mean, he's actually performed pretty well this year too, so. Yeah, he did great on Sunday. <laughs> but, yeah, but what else is there? Because we got to talk about some more in the next segment. I want to save one of these other talking points. But Verstappen finishing in seventh after starting in eighth. So, not – um, he didn't secure the – driver's championship this race he it's more becoming more and more likely that he can secure it at suzuka we'll talk about that more in the race preview for that but still pretty i mean with all the troubles he had in that those couple parts along with just kind of just not performing the way he has in the past on some street circuits it was still holding on to seven he had uh, at some points he had to do some multiple overtakes on the track that is particularly very hard to do overtakes on so he still showed that he's still one of the best, is the best currently in the world. And he got some good luck from Lewis Hamilton, like I brought up earlier, uh, having the brakes lock up near the end, being able to get uh, past yeah, and then, Vettel and Sir Louis. And Lewis in front, people forget, Lewis is in front with the damaged wing. He was going to get a, a black and orange flag if he didn't pit right then and there, so he had to go into the pits and pit. But he was in front of Max before that was happening, and then Max was – Doing his normal Max thing on the radio, saying it's unsafe, but... It was sparking down the straightaway, it so was. I wouldn't exactly call that safe. Yeah, it was pretty... Yeah, and he, he cost Max a substantial amount of time, too. I think it was like seven seconds that he cost Max right then and there. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, that is going to do it for our first part of our uh, recap of Singapore, but we still have a lot more to talk about with this race. But when we come back... We're going to talk more about the results and what's happening and more about the uh, standings for the drivers and constructors. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Smooth Operators on Weagle 91.1 FM. Good night. Well, whatever, <laughs> whatever the correct wordage is, ladies and gentlemen, but we are live from the WEGL studio in the, in the Melbourne Student Center. And we're talking again about Singapore here on the smoothest operators of Weagle 91.1 FL. Griggs, I'll let you start this one out for us. Yeah, man. Good night to you as well. Just, <laughs> It's late, man. I got an early flight tomorrow, so 
it's going to be interesting, but we're still glad to be talking Formula One. We didn't want to miss this for the people, especially on a race preview and race recap episode like this one. But we still have a little bit more to talk about Singapore. Let's start it off people. for the people, yes. The That's, fans. Mm-hmm. We do it for the fans, we like Lewis a, said. Shout out to all our international listeners. Now we've been getting a little bit more of an international audience, so... That's been cool to see, but yeah, that, shout out to all you listeners out there. Uh, let's still talk about this one, the biggest one. We missed this whole one. Lance Stroll finishing in P6 for this race. I believe this is his highest finish of the year. He outperforms his teammate uh, Sebastian Vettel on the track where Vettel has been the most dominant driver at this track. I believe he still has the most race victories in Singapore. But Lance Stroll, coming out of nowhere, moves up six positions. Granted, there was a lot of DNFs, but still six positions. Gets eight points for Alpine in a crucial battle in the Constructors against Haas. And they are still, and they are now three points above Haas since Haas has been struggling as of recently. But that kind of came out of nowhere, didn't it? Yeah, uh, at the beginning of the season, I definitely thought Aston Martin was going to have by far and away the worst car. Well, second to worst, really. But them passing Haas is a huge step and provides them with a good amount of money as well. So tops to Aston Martin and tops to Mr. Stroll, who we all thought was a pay driver. But sometimes he can show that he's got potential. Money, money, money. The thing is, it's funny. funny. The thing is, that's funny. He's already had two. uh, He's going to end up having two former F1 world champion drivers drive with him, and he is the number one driver at Aston Martin, (laughs) which is very funny. And they're both, like, multiple championship winners. Fernando won twice. Vettel won four times. Vettel won four in a row. But no, Lance (laughs) Stroll, the only thing he really has is a pole position in, um, where do you have the, um, Hungary, I believe. I thought it was Turkey. Was it Turkey? Or hungry? I can't remember. I'm looking this up now since it's late and we're. It's been memories. a while. It has been a while. It's definitely not been recently. Uh, yes, the Turkish. The tw- actually, it was semi recently. The Turkish Grand Prix in 2020. Oh, that was a shocker. I remember watching that and being like, well, "Where did this dude come from?" Didn't expect to see that happen. It was the pink Mercedes. In fairness, it was the the tracing point car. That car was. That design was stolen, and they got him on the brake ducts of all things. The nose was the same. I I am extremely angry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so speaking of punishments and penalties, after the Singapore Grand Prix had finished, the FIA had announced that two teams had been in violation of the cost cap limit. Well, allegedly still. Uh, Yeah, last time they said allegedly was the tracing point. So we know where that's going. Yeah, but that could be coming out later today. If only we could have done this show a little bit later, we would have gotten that European bump and oh, found it out. Cro- um, Ted Kravitz doesn't seem that doesn't seem to think that Red Bull are going to get in trouble. It stirred up a little bit of noise, but you never know. Aston Martin, I think, has already kind of admitted to it. Christian Horner, in all his wisdom, has already said, really, not nothing's really going to happen with that one. But and he's threatening legal action against the teams who may have started that conversation or I should say speculation about the uh the cost cap limit. Uh they're like we're gonna sue you for tarnishing our name and image. So that should be interesting to see what happens. Definitely gonna keep an eye on that. Yes, we will definitely be 
keeping an eye on that? Because I don't know what the implications of that would be. It would, it's not for this year. So well, what would that mean in term? The main thing being in term, not really revoking Aston Martin's eighth or seventh place in the constructors, but really talking about Max's world championship. And judging by what we've seen from Team LH as of recently, it, it should revoke Max's title. Well, in Section 6 on page 26 of the FIA uh, cost cap regulations page, um, which I may or may not have read like a nerd, uh, in that there is a clause that allows any championship, it allows the team to be disqualified, basically, and any championship points from the driver or team to be stripped away. So that's certainly a possibility. Uh, I don't think that's what it will be. I think it, the punishment should fit the crime. If Red Bull was like 5.7% over, even though that's about uh, $7.5 million, um, and Aston Martin was 5.1% over or even less, um, I don't think Red Bull should be stripped of the points and Aston Martin should be stripped of the points because that has so much less of an effect on Aston Martin, who was eighth or seventh, versus Red Bull, who was second and had a driver's champion. I don't think that would be necessarily fair. And you bring up the fact that it's seven million. Although that sounds a lot like to you and me, dear listener, that's chump change when comparing it to an F1 car. And that's, even if they went over the salary cap, is this the first or second year? Uh, they introduced it in 2021 in so, order for it to carry over to 2022. Got you. Yeah. I don't think they'll be as harsh just because it's still sort of a new thing. And I don't think they're going to get their championship taken away like Reggie Bush got his Heisman taken away. Mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but mm. I, I, think, I think at worst they're going to do is do some fines. Which I think that's what's going to come down to. I think it's going to end up being fines. I mean, Williams didn't even give the FIA their <laughs> sheet until, like, it was due in March, and they dropped the ball on that, and it, they didn't even give it to them until, like, this month. Well, the FIA would probably have been like, you went over the cost cap and you were still this poor. They, <laughs> this no, you can't even. They, they were so far under the cost cap that they had to find things to write up in their audit. So they were like, hey, we're going to be late on this because we have to find things that we spent money on so that we can say we spent the minimum. That's what it sounds like. Um, that's a bit of an exaggeration. But in all seriousness, Williams was late to hand in their homework, and so they got fined twenty five grand. 25 grand. So much money. So much money for the new, now American investors of Williams. Yeah, Doralton Capital is going to be really tight to get that one out. Mm. Got to get that budget in. I have to check with the bank. <laughs> Take out a loan. They are the bank. Um, let's mention something real quickly. Um, but George Russell had a very disappointing qualifying session for him. I think he didn't get out of P2, and he ended up finishing in 14th, which is the last spot on the board. He qualified – hold on, where did he qualify? He qualified um, – he actually had the fastest lap, which is crazy. George Russell did. Fastest lap over Sergio Perez. But he started off to, um, the race 
in P11, and then he dropped three places, even with all those DNFs. So first race, he's really struggled since he's joined Mercedes. Besides, we're not going to really count Silverstone, but that was really the first race that he struggled in. So his incredible finishing top five in every race he's finished in streak has come to an end. But if you're if you're George Russell, do you really worry about this too much? Or is it just an off week? Who's to blame, really? Is it George or is it Mercedes for putting him on slick tires when the track was still wet? He really was the testing, uh, the testing person for all the other teams because George was the first one to go on there since he was pretty far back. It took him f- 10, 15 laps until teams realized, okay, the, the slicks are okay to use again. But for those first couple parts, he was struggling and i mean struggling to find grip on the track it was it was really hard to watch near there at the beginning because he just was not doing anything but once he found the dry racing line it started to appear he started to put in fastest laps so and he ended up getting the fastest lap but unfortunately he couldn't get a point for that because he got to finish top 10 to get a fastest lap point yeah and i think that mercedes is going to be real hard up for that one point Definitely, and that's not going to be something they lose sleep over. I think what they are going to lose sleep over is Toto basically saying after this week's performance from Ferrari and Mercedes, it's pretty much it's pretty likely that Ferrari is going to hold on to the second in the constructors. I think. I don't know about that. They're both. I mean, for Mercedes, the car is off and on. For Ferrari, the strategy is off and on. Their strategy hmm. this weekend was well. I mean, the same as everybody else's. Nobody really went for anything. It was all very much hedging your bets, making the safest decision. But they didn't screw up, which is what counts. That's what matters. Um, but the the Mercedes car is just so inconsistent, like even between qualifying sessions. So I don't think it's over. I don't think it's. I think I rem- I think I remember seeing that. I remember seeing something about like where it was either something about that with Toto, but I'm not 100 percent sure. But yeah, 439 to. 373 so they're about 60-something-ish off. Math math hard sometimes for Griggs. But Red Bull, 576 points. It's looking more and more likely that even this weekend, if Matt, we'll talk about this more later, even this weekend if Max doesn't secure the Drivers' Championship, it could almost be wrapped up for Constructors. I don't know what the earliest the Constructors ever won. Me and Noah were looking it up earlier. Verstappen would become or we'll talk about that later we need we can use that content for later but la, any last thoughts on this race um all the dns which one was really surprising to you the most out of these fernando no esteban Ocon's mm-hmm. turbo blowing up yeah that was yeah that was what i was gonna say too that was that was really shocking both alpines really struck like well, i didn't expect that we were talking <laughs> we were talking them up so much on friday's episode about how we thought Alpine was really doing well. Like, and we were talking about Espen Ocon. He was being a good racer. When, so I can't remember who brought up if Pierre went to Alpine, him having a rookie teammate come in. But we were like, Espen Ocon's a good racer, and then this happened. Not, none, none to his fault. But, but also speaking of Fernando, he's had a little bit of a rough patch recently with bad finishes. That It's hard to see some of this degree, but he was, he'll still be racing for – Who's going to retire first is the real question, Lewis or Fernando? Fernando, probably. He, 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 I think he gets less money from sponsorships, and that's well, what Yeah, <laughs> Lewis is the most 
famous name motorsport right now. I would like to bring up one thing. Lord, that Formula One's such a beautiful sport. Racing under the lights in Singapore, it looked amazing, didn't it? It's going to look even better when it's on the streets of Las Vegas next year. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Running down the Las Vegas Strip past all the casinos and everything in Sin City that we know and love. Yes, but that is going to do it for our Singapore talks. But still, we are under the lights here at Smooth Operator, so don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're still talking more about the world of Formula One. You're listening to Smooth Operators on Weagle 91.1 FM. Folks, we are 30 minutes away from tomorrow, and you're listening to Weagle 91.1 FM. You're listening to Weagle's exclusive Formula One show, Smooth Operators. Thank you if you're listening live, if you're listening on our podcast, thank you as well. But folks, let's dive even deeper into the wild, wild world of Formula One. That was that was really good. No, we've been we've been doing really well in our intros and outros today. We yeah. don't mean to pat ourselves on the back too we much. We've been but killing the transitions. It's better than going good night, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, the good night. Besides was, that little hiccup, it is night. We're probably still what probably the only per- people, only students still in the student center. Yeah, probably. It's kind of a crazy thought. Probably. I mean, I was one time in the only few people in Jordan here at the end of one of the night football games, and I got locked in. So <laughs> getting locked in Jordan here and not knowing your way out. Which way to go out for the media was interesting. But, yes, let's get back to Formula 1, even though I don't think we really want to talk too much about Auburn football. Um, Yeah, let's avoid that touchy subject at the moment. But, yeah, just random Formula 1 news. Let's start a little bit talking about the driver's market. Last week we didn't really talk about it on the show too much, but there are reports out there that is now getting closer to the fact that Nick DeFries will be replacing Pierre Gasly at AlphaTauri so he can make the move to the French team Rent Alpine Renault, where he would join Espen Alcon in a all French team with a French sponsor. Woo! Called that one. Yes, that Ben called that one. That is a rumor that is out now. We don't know if that's going to be announced anytime soon, since Pierre technically is still under contract with Alvatari for next season. But good job for Nick DeFries. He really earned it after coming in out of the blue when Alex Albon's appendix decided not to decide to be disruptive. And gets P8 in his debut race. That reminds me of another all-time great and seven-time champion, Michael Schumacher, coming out in a midfield car and finishing in third. You know, kind of performing well above expectations. So props to him and his already illustrious career. And I can't wait to see him on the grid next year. Cannot wait. He's probably got to be thankful that it's not Williams. He's like, I just got P8 in a Williams. Imagine what I can do in an Alvatari. I can at least get P6. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? He could he could take it to Pierre in slightly inferior machinery, I think. I think he could certainly bring the fight to the bigger boys. But now my question is, with that rumor still not being confirmed, likely but not confirmed, where does Williams go now? They have Alex Albon for next year. Latifi is not rejoin the team is it sergeant time is what we've been hearing logan or sorry uh noah because we've been hearing that's kind of been what people have been thinking because he is an f2 currently i have no idea who you get if you're williams i I think you could very easily go with sergeant or you could just as easily call up some nascar or you could do like what nascar does and just have a new racer every single uh, week 
because track house has a car that's kind of like uh designed around that mm. and i think that could work really well for williams if they want to get in some more money in for markability and such like that or they could go to felipe Drogovic, uh recently crowned f2 champion hmm um, they have a lot. I feel of like Williams teams. goes after like all the former champions of like that league. Oh yeah, they they really reach their hands down into the lower junior series and pick their guys from there. This the, I'm gonna say this: the talent pool in Formula One right now, or potential drivers for Formula One, I've never seen before. There have never been so many options for teams to explore, and I really love that. There was the same lineup basically for three years in a row. Between 2018 and 2020, aside from a few Russians going missing, and um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's really good to see just a lot of shakeup and a lot of young guys getting a shot. And it wasn't like that for a long time, so very happy about that. With this opportunity looming, uh, I want to bring this up to y'all. Do y'all think they could go and grab somebody like a uh, Mitch Evans in Formula E? Somebody from that series, because Formula E—I don't know if y'all watched a lot of it. It's—it's it's really weird, and I—and I think if I was a driver, I'd want to get out of there and go to Formula One, even if it was in a Williams. Like Stoffel Van Dorn. Yes, he's a good option. Uh, they could definitely look at those guys, those more experienced people that may have had a good junior career, but there the time wasn't right for F1, and then moved to FE Formula E. Um. Those cars are completely different. I'm really impressed with DeVries. Again, just want to rehash that. Like, those cars have no grip. And they race on really bad circuits. So, way to go, Nick. Plus, you got, like, extra power if you drive in a, in a certain part of the track or you're really popular with the fans. It's That's, it's really that's really wild to me, just thinking, like, a fan vote. It's like Nicholas Latifi in Formula E, just, like, F1 driver of the day. They do it, like, with, like, Half the race left. If you win, you get a fifty percent power boost or something like that. Be cow. wild. You get to come in for more fuel. Oh, speaking of that, I saw this on uh, on a meme. So last year on the final race, I don't know if y'all remember this, but people were, the thing on social media was Kimmy vote Kimmy Raikkonen driver of the day for his final race, even though he finished out early this year for final race potentially. We got Sebastian Vettel who is retiring. We have Daniel Ricciardo who's potentially not going to be here next year. And then we got Nicholas Gotifi Latifi. King TV. So there was one race this year where we, we all voted for Latifi, and they didn't give it to him. Does they, do you guys remember that one race? Which one was it? You know what I'm talking about right now. There's one where everyone was really mad that he didn't get it. Oh, God. Did he actually do well in that race? No, he got like what do you 18th. Think? He got like 18th. Hey. But people, it was like what I think what people were saying it happened like Mazepin a few years ago where they would just – Spammed it, and then Formula One just didn't announce the driver of the day for that day. <laughs> Cost somebody a point. But, yeah, Formula, if that, imagine if that came to Formula One, where during your pit stop you have to, like, wait, like, an extra second. Because you because you didn't get driver of the day. You weren't popular enough. Hmm. You, di- you didn't sell enough watches that day. It would, it would make the American audience so much more. <laughs> Guys, retweet this to figure out if your driver can get more speed on this. Think about what Auburn fans can do when they win in basketball. <laughs> Imagine what they would be able to do if Nicholas Latifi finishes last. <laughs> and Auburn basketball has just ratioed the Williams team Twitter account. <laughs> can we actually get this to happen? When no, AUMB no, retweets, that. when no. AUMB retweets 
Williams F1 on a George or a uh, Nicholas Latifi update. Can we? Can that we will sign, be the day I die a happy man. Can we sign Nicholas Latifi to the Auburn basketball team? I don't know how effective. Think, I don't think we need him really for that. Think of the think of the NIL though. Would be nothing. <laughs> I mean, his dad's got the yacht in Monaco, but that's about it. It would literally be nothing. We're we're going crazy now, but now it's late. now with that happening, is speaking. Of, let's keep it on the topic of Williams. This has been the most Williams show we've had since we talked about Latifi leaving. Since but we talked about Williams. <laughs> I've been thinking about this. Mick Schumacher could he potentially be an option for Williams? Since we still talk about it, it's the biggest name in motorsport history, the Schumacher name. It's most likely going to Nico Hulkenberg is what we've been hearing. Potentially, Ben's looking at me like maybe not, but that's what I'm. It's either I've heard about him going to Haas, but I don't. No, know no, no, Hulk, no. I meant Hulkenberg to Haas. Like that was the more. Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I meant. Like it's seeming more and more likely that Hulkenberg's going to go to Haas. Could we see Mick potentially make the move to Williams? Possibly, maybe. I think there's a chance for anything can, that could happen. I think they could do um, – gosh, there's so many drivers in F2 right now and so many guys outside. I don't know why they would go with Schumacher. But at the same time, you know, he's had he's had some flashes of brilliance. He's had some good results. Uh, I think this weekend was really particularly hard for him because he's really been – He's basically a rookie. Like, no one counts Patrick Mahomes' first season as a first season. Yeah, and as much as I understand if he doesn't go to Williams or doesn't stay at Haas, I really, really want him to stay as a complete fan. I- I'm going to fangirl over him probably to the day I die. That's um, cute. Thank you. Um, I-, I think he could be brilliant. Uh, you know, this weekend he did the – Brilliant 100 IQ move of puncturing George Russell's tires. Good but, work. <laughs> but, yeah, I think he could very easily – I think he – I don't know if he will stay in Formula 1 for next year. I think he may go to a uh, reserve driver role. But My question is where would that be, though, since he left the Ferrari Driver Academy. So that knocks out – well, Haas is one, and then he had Alfa Romeo, and then he had for, actually Ferrari. So – could, where could you see that potentially go then? I don't know. That's Do we even know if Alfa Romeo is going to be here next year? They could be Audi, for all we know. They could be. I mean, no, at least for next year, they're still Alfa Romeo. Okay, thank you. But, know. but yeah, nothing like no team stuff has changed next for next year. But yeah, I mean, Mix, a great name. Like, what? No, my like, what if twenty three eleven racing Mick Schumacher? Uh, you'd love to see it. Put him in the 11. <laughs> Come on. Give him the three. <laughs> Give him the three. Come on. That'd be hilarious. I could never. Like someone with Mick Schumacher, Michael sees his son racing in NASCAR and just, what is going on? <laughs> Dale Earnhardt just kicks down like Schumacher's door in heaven. Just like, look at what your son's doing. <laughs> look at that. Michael's not dead. Yeah, what? Wait, he's not? No. Oh. He's recovering from a coma. He's he's like Oh, my bad. It's late. It's okay. Oh, my bad. He's like a shell of a man, but he's still here. <laughs> it's 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 late here, folks. Oh my, um, my bad. It's all good. But shout out to the Schumacher family. Yes. Uh, my bad my bad if you're listening. Noah loves Michael. Noah I, I really love loves him. Michael Schumacher. I love him. 
So much that he has been warning him for five years. And just like that, we are going to take a Mick break. And once we come back, we will be talking about our Zasuka preview. It is our last segment of the night, and then we can all get to go home and get some rest for tomorrow. But don't go anywhere. We still got some time left. You're listening to Smooth Operators on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back to the Smooth Operators Podcast. Uh, right before we went to break, we discovered that Michael Schumacher is still alive. Um, and so are we. We know, we, know, we know that. Yes. Noah discovered that Michael Schumacher is still alive. And so are we at this late hour. We have really short amount of time to preview Suzuka, but I cannot wait to get into it. It is a beautiful track built in 1962 by Soshiro Honda. The, you know, the founder of Honda. The Honda? Yes, as a motorcycle test track. And uh, it's seen a lot of great moments. A really, really fun track. Hard to pass on, but that middle sector, uh, turn actually that first sector, turn three, four, five, six, and seven, are just so much fun to watch. So fast, so flowy. We love it. And it's the only figure eight track in the Formula One calendar. Is it the only figure eight track in mainstream circuit racing unless you count mario kart um <laughs> i do not <laughs> yeah unless you count that, that i believe is that, is, that an, is rainbow road not an fia approved circuit <laughs> it's fi grade no i think the only one that could be fi grade one is like mario Lu- luigi circuit probably that one is good coconut mall out here i don't um, think i don't think coconut mall would be approved what if they made like the surface need, is too uneven they, they need to do that what if they had like added like monaco to like mario kart that'd be so cool that'd be like what if they added just like certain f1 tracks like ones that are like different i like just ones that are like they don't have to add like paul ricard or anything like that but he's coming out of the tunnel and it's a blue shell <laughs> Oh no! And Nicholas Latifi's in the wall. <laughs> Someone should make an edit like that for Abu Dhabi of last year. Oh, they that... made they made the Yoshi circuit in Mario Kart, and it's completely flat. What has happened? It's not special at all, but it's amazing. They should have. Um, oh, what if someone someone need to make like a YouTube edit of like Nicholas Latifi in uh, Abu Dhabi crashing in the wall, but it's because of like a red shell or like anything like that. And then Max gets like a star and goes through like all the people like. Like all the people in between, Goes all the cars no, unlapping themselves. All the people in between Max and Lewis have like the bullet the bill. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, because they're lapped. You know, oh, I'm, oh, that's perfect. But yes, back to Suzuka. We don't have too too much time. Um, it is the 53 laps, 5.8 uh, kilometers a lap, 371, 307.471 kilometers in total, and the lap record like. Almost one-fourth of the tracks in F1 is held by Sir Lewis Hamilton at 1 minute 30 seconds and 9.983. He prefers that you don't call him Sir Lewis. You said that last week. I'm still going to do it because it's cool, and you should take advantage of your name if you're knighted, I think. I agree. But, yes, so Suzuka. So what? how many corners did you say ahead? You said 15, 16? 18. 18, and there's one DRS zone. So Yeah. Another. This is going to be a brutal race for the schedule. Oh, what a race, though. Name name someone who has driven at Suzuka who doesn't like it. And I will... I don't know. I'll do something crazy. You'll tell them they're wrong. Yeah, you're they, wrong. They're objectively wrong. But you know what? If you can find me somebody who's driven Suzuka in real life or in a simulator, man, takes or, themselves seriously. I'm, 
or even on the F1 game. It's fun to drive in the F1 game. Speaking and that's hard of to which, do with a controller. Hey, Noah. What? I'll race you on it. You will? Yeah. Let's do you're going to lose. But, yeah, this race this weekend, oh, it's going to be brutal, especially for me being living on the East Coast, going back to the East Coast for this one. It's going to be at uh, midnight Eastern on Sunday here in Auburn, Alabama, Central Standard Time. For me, back in Charlotte, North Carolina, I'll be coming back from a, uh, a Wake Forest football game. So that will be at 1 a.m. And the day before that, qualifying is at 1 a.m. Central, 2 a.m. Eastern on a Saturday morning. So that is going to be quite the grind, but I'm going to definitely do it for the people. For the people. It's for the people. It's for, for the, the fans. For the fans. You don't get this much race reaction from other stuff. You're going to do it for The Rock. That's who he's going to do it for. Nobody got that reference. I'll um, do it for a cookie. <laughs> I'll do it too. But let's get into it talking about Suzuka. So coming into this one, Max Verstappen didn't secure the win in Abu uh, not Abu Dhabi. He did secure the win in Abu Dhabi last year, but he didn't secure the win in Singapore. So the, let's go through some of the likely scenarios that he could get in Japan this week. First off, the most likely one would be Verstappen finishing, winning the race, but Leclerc would have to finish lower than second place. So that is one option right there. The next one, the more most common one, the one he most likely he could do it is um Verstappen winning the race with the fastest lap. No matter where Charles would finish, he would be crowned champion. But but next week the race is in America. That is correct. It is at Coda. Or no, Coda. two weeks from now. Two, yeah, two weeks from now. Or the next race is in Coda in America. And if you're an F1 script writer, <laughs> think about how much better it would be for him to win the title in America the market you're mostly trying to reach into right now. Hmm. And the one that had record attendance last year. Exactly. Sells tickets. So according to the script. It's going Coda. It's going to Coda. It's going Coda because Americans drink Red Bull. Hmm. Exactly. And what was I about to say? Um, oh, I forgot to mention this fact earlier. I can't believe so. Sergio Perez, both his wins this year have been on street circuits. But they've also been the only two races that have been that have fallen under the three-hour limit set by the FIA. So both in Monaco, in the craziness that was, and in Singapore. So I thought that was a cool fact. Both his race wins this year were came where they didn't get to race all the laps, but he the race was 61 laps. He ended up doing 59. At that point, I'm like, just go ahead and finish at that point. I get why that's the three-hour limit, which is really a lot better, so they don't they finished hold out forever. Minutes. Yeah, it took forever. It was a long one. Mm-hmm. Um, Max can, will also not be crowned in champion Japan if Leclerc Perez finished above him. Of course, he would have to wait until the falling race. So the, technically the only way um, Max can win the title without finishing first, if he fails to win in Japan, he needs to score a minimum of eight points more than Leclerc and a minimum of six points more than Checo. So take that as you will, but that is how Max could potentially win the title this year. Be the, we mean no, we looked this up. The third, a fourth ever time someone had won with four races to go. Schumacher did it twice, and Sebastian Vettel did it in 2011. So crazy stuff. That's incredible. Man, the domination this season from Max Verstappen, uh, I would say, came out of nowhere by week three. Oh, especially by week three, because he'd already had two DNS to that point. Where it was, people were saying that Ferrari or Red Bull has the car to win the title, but not the reliability. Because 
during um, Saudi Arabia is probably the most contested race between the top two we've seen really for the most part of the year. But yeah, I mean, after those three races, everyone was saying congratulations uh, to Charles Leclerc for winning that one because it seemed like Red Bull wasn't going to get it figured out and Ferrari was going to eventually just pull away with it. But now it's, I mean, he won like what, five races in a row? That's incredible. Five races. If he had kept that win streak going, he was very much on track to be the most consecutive race winner ever. Which what's is the, what's the record? I think it's like seven. Maybe it's six. Uh, but it's something like that. It's it's he was so close, and he really with so much on the line. He really did struggle, which is. You know, he's still young. Oh, Sebastian Vettel holds the record for most consecutive wins, having won nine Grand Prix in a row in 2013. From 2013's Belgian Grand Prix to the final race of that year, the 2013 Brazilian Grand Prix. So he won the final nine races of this year. So that is incredible. So Max would have had to done a little bit more. Man, back in the V8 days, those were good times. But, yeah, let's go ahead and just get into it now. So let's start off with our predictions for this one. So it's going to be a wild one. Let's start off with Mr. Phillips over there. Let's just go around quickly. Let's do – who do you think will start on pole for the Suzuka International Racing Course or the Formula One Honda Japanese Grand Prix? I'm going to go with Charles Leclerc. Solid pick. Pole position and winner. Oh, and winner. Oh, I thought you just said pole position. Oh, it, My we're bad. doing pole position for uh, now, but you can say if you want. Oh, um, are we going to go all the way P, uh, P3 up? I yeah, think. Well, let's just keep going. Let's go around to Ben first. Ben, who do you think is going to take pole this weekend? P1, um, George Russell. He'll bounce back. George Russell bounce back. His second pole position of the year. It's a terrible prediction, guys. I was so close to getting this prediction right last week. I said Lewis Hamilton because I'm like, there's no way Lewis is going to go the whole year without getting a pole position. And I think... Him still holding the fastest lap here in 2019. He did win this. Uh, no, Valtteri actually won this one in 2019. Lewis ended up finishing third. But I'm going to go Lewis for pole position. Not again happened this year. He was pretty close last weekend for a decent amount of time. But I think that could happen. Let's switch it up a little bit. Why not? The Merc boys need some love, even though we don't offer too much for them. But let's go ahead and kick it. Let's start off with Mr. Phillips. Give us your podium starting from P3 to P1 for this Grand Prix. All right, P3. I'm going with Jerome, please. Come on, Jerome. Okay, thank you. Well, I was you waiting for that? that. I actually made sure for P3. Do that beforehand. For P3, I'm going Carlos Sainz. Hmm. P2, I'm going George Russell. And in first place, not securing the championship, Charles Leclerc. So the prancing horses, you believe in them this week. Yeah, I, I have belief, you know. Sounds like wishful thinking. It is wishful thinking, but hey, something's got to go wrong the, for Verstappen at some point. The script writers, remember. The yeah. script is going to make this go down to Abu Dhabi or Max Saffron's going <laughs> to win it. Imagine four, four, four straight DNFs. It comes down to Abu Dhabi. Max has to finish in fifth or higher. It'll be like a uh, Lewis Hamilton's first championship in 2006. Just like that. Is that Gluck? No, that moment. Mm. Yeah. Uh, my my uh, podium will be Charles Leclerc, Sergio Perez, 
Max Verstappen. Max takes the championship. Max takes the championship. All right. I've been thinking about this one a little bit. I was semi-close because we do this before qualifying and before Max, for some reason, decide, you know what, I'll be not as good and, and finish P8. They which also run out of gas in qualifying. Yeah, that too. That was an interesting radio transmission back to uh, the Red Bull pit wall. But for me, P3. I'm going to go with Mr. George Russell because I think he will bounce back after a not as great performance in the last race, finishing in last for the, all the non-DNF drivers. In second place, I'm going to go with Mr. Max Verstappen. I think Max is going to finish second in Suzuka and finishing in first. In his home Grand Prix, I'm kidding. Not Yuki Sano. That would be that would, that would be that would be wild. Imagine that'd be crazy. Um, from last place on the grid. Oh, Latifi. No, Latifi wouldn't win. Come on, Ben. No. Um, finishing in first. I'm gonna be a little different here. Carlos mm. Sainz wins the Honda Japanese Grand Prix. I think he's due. He's had some chances a lot this year. He won Silverstone. I can't see Leclerc having good as weekend as he did last weekend, and Science was doing pretty well for his position that he was in. So I'm going to go with Carlos Science. He's going to pick up his second uh, win of the season, and I think this one is going to go down to Coda. So Mac, no, that would mean Max wins the title. Would it? Uh, depending on where, if he he would have to finish at least. Eight, two eight, spots. He has eight points above Charles. Yeah, which is eight points. So if, yeah, unless, if, I, if I have Charles Leclerc finishing in fourth, fourth, then Max would not clinch. But if Leclerc gets fifth or below. So I would say Charles finishes fourth. Okay, that's what I was thinking, Charles fourth. So technically in my prediction in my head, I didn't get to say P4, but in my head I think it's going to come down to Kodo. But I guess that is going to do it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for – if you have been tuning in, it is now Wednesday, October 5th, which is crazy. We are here past midnight, but it's for the people. When we see you next, we will be back here in the studio next Friday. We will be talking about the review of the Japanese Grand Prix, and we have some more fun, exciting stuff coming up. But for Noah Phillips, Ben McClurkin, I am Griggs Blankenberg. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been Smooth Operators on Weagle 91.1 FM, War Eagle. That's all we have today for Smooth Operators, Weagle's exclusive F1 show. In case you missed some of the show or just want to relive all your favorite parts, check us out on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. Till next time, this has been the smoothest operators of Weagle 91.1 FM.